Hey, my name is Diego Aguirre. I'm uh, recording from Tampa, Florida. So I, I grew up in Colombia, in South America. I left the country when I was about eight. So there was a lot of the history of the country that I didn't learn about until as an adult, I started just out of own uh, you know, personal interest, I started learning about the history. And one particular period of time that basically spawned off the what the image that a lot of people have of Colombia as a country, like everything that you saw, for example, in the Netflix show Narcos with um, drug trafficking and the drug cartels, like all these things were basically an offshoot, a birth of this period of time in Colombia known as La Violencia, which stands for the violence. Um, very bloody, crazy period of time in that in the country that basically cost like 200,000 lives it was crazy bloody, and I think it would be a pretty interesting, obscure topic for most Americans. The South American nation of Colombia has very much to be proud of. It has a very diversified economy, the third largest in South America. It has a dominant soccer team headlined in the 2014 FIFA World Cup by Golden Boot winner James Rodriguez. Some of the world's most brilliant literary figures have hailed from Colombia, including Nobel Prize for Literature winner Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It is the second most biodiverse nation in the world, with biomes ranging from rainforests to grasslands to deserts. It has the 14th highest military budget in the world, and it's the only NATO global partner in South America. Needless to say, it has a very prosperous future ahead of it. But for many, there is one thing about Colombia that is difficult to overlook. Since 1964, Colombia has been embroiled in an armed conflict between the nation's military and police, far-left guerrilla movements such as FARC, and right-wing paramilitary groups such as AUC, funded by drug cartels. To date, almost 200,000 civilians have been killed in the fighting. After decades of negotiations, many involving American Ambassador Thomas Pickering, a native of West Orange, New Jersey, FARC and the Colombian government finally signed a peace treaty in 2016. However, many FARC guerrillas have refused to lay down their arms, and the conflict is still being fought to this day. This conflict did not come out of nowhere. It wouldn't have started without the events that came before it. Sixteen years prior to the start of the ongoing conflict, a different conflict started in Colombia. It is known as La Violencia. I'm going to tell you all about it right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the ninth episode of this podcast, and I can't wait to talk about this topic. Special thank you to Diego from Tampa, Florida for suggesting this episode. Special thank you as well to Patreon subscriber Sodak Zach. 
If you want to receive a shout out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. Colombia's history hasn't exactly been peaceful. Since it gained its independence from Spain in 1810, Colombia has fought several bloody civil wars. It had the first constitutional government in South America and established two major political parties, the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party. These two parties often clashed violently over their political differences. The deadliest of these clashes was the Thousand Days War, in which 120,000 Colombians were killed in just three years. Colombia also fought a brief war with Peru in 1933 over land in the Amazon Basin. Despite this, Colombia reached a point of political stability in the late 1930s, It was a member of the Allied Powers during World War II, and it was crucial in defending the Panama Canal from German U-boats. But trouble was brewing behind the scenes, and it would soon reach a breaking point. On April 9, 1948, Liberal Party presidential candidate Dr. Jorge Gaetan was assassinated at his office in Bogota. Gaetan was the undisputed frontrunner of the election, and he almost certainly would have won had he not been assassinated. Gaetan's assassin, Juan Roa Sierra, was beaten to death by an angry mob outside of Gaetan's office. Because of this, his motive was never discovered. Suspicions fell on many different groups, including the Soviet Union, the CIA, and the Colombian Liberal Party elites who were displeased with Gaetan's democratic socialist leanings. However, the vast majority of the blame fell on the Colombian Conservative Party and the incumbent president, Mariano Ospina Perez, a Conservative Party member. The mob that killed Roa Sierra began moving towards the presidential palace, with the intent of killing President Ospina Perez. I'd like to take a moment to thank one of the sponsors of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you do not know about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make your own podcast. Anchor gives you all the tools you need to record, edit, and publish a podcast about anything you're passionate about, whether it's sports, cooking, art, politics, obscure historical events, or anything else. You also don't need to have to go through the long and potentially expensive process of distributing your podcast, as Anchor automatically publishes it to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You can podcast from the comfort of your couch, so long as you have a computer or phone with you. You can easily make money through podcasting without having to seek out sponsors yourself, since Anchor gives them to you. And the best part is, it's free. You don't have to spend a penny. 
If you want to make your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app on iOS or Android to get started. Following the murder of Gaetan, massive protests broke out in the capital of Bogota. For this reason, the protests became known as El Bogotazo. Many Colombian radio stations began broadcasting a call to arms for Gaetan's supporters, as well as instructions on how to make Molotov cocktails. The body of Gaetan's assassin was paraded through the streets of Bogota before being dumped into a river. President Ospina Perez was notified of the assassination 20 minutes after Gaetan was pronounced dead. He held an emergency cabinet meeting while thousands of protesters pelted sticks and rocks at his palace. When the protesters attempted to scale the gates of the palace, the Policia Nacional rolled in, indiscriminately killing many of the protesters. In response to this, many hardware stores were raided as the masses armed themselves with pipes, hatchets, and machetes. Approximately two hours after the start of the riots, the Policia Nacional's headquarters were breached and many of the protesters stole guns and ammunition. Among them was 21-year-old Fidel Castro. As many as 3,000 Colombians were killed during El Bogotazo, the massive unrest, which was widely characterized as the work of the Colombian Liberal Party, led to a massive political shift of the nation's military and police towards the conservative party. President Ospina Perez decided to capitalize on this by speaking out against the Liberal Party. He also attempted to pass many policies designed to persecute Liberal Party members. Because of this, the predominantly Liberal National Congress attempted to impeach Ospina Perez. In response, Ospina Perez dissolved the National Congress, making himself essentially a dictator. The Liberal Party decided to stage a coup d'etat against him. However, the plan was eventually abandoned. Despite this, some of the conspirators didn't get the memo. One of them was Air Force Captain Alfredo Silva. Silva rallied a group of rebels in his home of Villa Vicencio, and on November 25, 1949, they disarmed the local police and took control of the city. After Silva called for others in the region to revolt, guerrilla leader Eliseo Velázquez captured the town of Puerto López in December of the same year. The military eventually retook these places, and Silva and Velázquez were arrested. Outraged at this attempted overthrow of his government, President Ospina Perez took decisive action against the Liberal Party. He encouraged conservative party members in rural areas to seize the land of Liberal Party members. Many did so, leading to skirmishes between farmers known as La Violencia. Unlike El Bogotazo, which was entirely concentrated within large cities like Bogota and Medellin, La Violencia was predominantly fought in the countryside. 
the Colombian military and Policia Nacional began burning down buildings, looting stores, and massacring civilians in Liberal Party stronghold towns. One popular method of killing civilians was called Boca Chiquillar, and it involved using a bayonet to make many small punctures in the victim's skin until they bled out. The Policia Nacional even invented the Colombian necktie method, a favorite of Juan Pablo Escobar, which saw the victim's throat slashed and their tongue pulled out through the wound. Almost 200,000 civilians would be killed by the end of La Violencia. In 1950, President Ospina Perez decided not to seek re-election, and his hand-picked successor, fellow Conservative Party member Loriano Gomez, won the rigged election. Gomez suffered from cardiovascular issues for most of his life, and a year after he was elected, he delegated most of his power to Roberto Urdaneta Arbelaez, one of his political allies. As acting president, Arbelaez did a very poor job of keeping the military content, and in 1953, General Gustavo Rojas Pinilla staged a coup d'etat and seized power. Gomez continued to lead the conservative party while in exile in Spain. While in exile, he began negotiating with Liberal Party leader Alberto Lleras Carmajo in the hopes of ending La Violencia. Back in Colombia, General Rojas was strengthening his grip over the people of Colombia. He established a national gun permit system in 1955, making it virtually impossible for Colombians to legally purchase firearms. Even today, it is nearly impossible to legally obtain a gun in Colombia, and most guns are instead owned by guerrilla groups and cartels. Rojas also launched a major censorship campaign against the country's media. On May 10, 1957, Widespread protests against Rojas occurred, and the tyrannical president finally resigned later that day. Undoubtedly one of the proudest moments in Colombia's history, the protests became known as the coup d'etat of public opinion. After a year of rule by a military junta, Conservative Party leader Loriano Gomez was allowed to return from his exile in Spain, and in 1959, he and Liberal Party leader Alberto Lleras Carmajo signed the Declaration of Sitges, finally ending La Violencia. The declaration created the National Front, Colombia's new system of government. Every four years, the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party would alternate the office of president. These 16 years were a very peaceful time for Colombia, and it also saw a significant growth of the nation's economy. However, trouble was once again brewing behind the scenes. The National Front created a duopoly between the two parties, and many people became disconnected from the political system. Many of these people joined guerrilla movements. The most prominent of these was the Fuerzas Armadas Revolucionarias de Colombia, since 1964, this group has been fighting an armed conflict with the Colombian government. Today, they are best known by their acronym, FARC.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. Thanks again to Diego from Tampa, Florida for suggesting this episode. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.